0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Happy Feast of the Nativity to everyone. Uh, First, we are going to hear the Papal message from His Holiness uh, Pope Tawadros.
1: ابن والروح القدس الاله الواحد امين وهنأكم ايها الاحباء بهذا العام الجديد عشرين عشرين وايضا بعيد الميلاد المجيد الذي نستقبل فيه ميلاد ربنا يسوع المسيح متجسدا من اجل خلاص كل البشر وهنأ كل الاحباء في كل الابرشيات والكنائس القطية الارتوكسية عبر العالم وهنأ كل الاباء المطارنة والاباء الاساقفة والأباء الكهنة والشمامسة والأراخنة وكل الشعب القبطي وأيضا أهنئ الشباب والأطفال والصغار والكبار وأرجو لكم دائما عيدا سعيدا في عيد الميلاد المجيد هذا العيد الذي نحتفل به كل عام ويرتبط بالسنة التي نعيش فيها أنها سنة ميلادية وفي نتذكر قصص كثيرة ولكن من مشاهد الميلاد أن المجوس الذين قدموا من الشرق قدموا ثلاث هدايا وهذه الهدايا الثلاث تعبر عن حياة الإنسان أن أيام عمره هي أيام ذهب ومر ولبان ولكن ميلاد السيد المسيح وأحداث الميلاد أيضا يقدم لنا الله ثلاث عطايا كثيرة وهذه العطاية نراها في مشاهد الميلاد المجيد هذه العطاية تمثل كونها هداية يقدمها الله للإنسان لكيما يستعيد إنسانيته فالإنسانية التي يرتبط بها وجود البشر أمر غالي جدا وفي كل عيد ميلاد نتذكر هذه الأمور السلاسة التي أتحدث فيها عنكم الأمر الأول أن الإنسانية تتحقق بأن يعيش الإنسان الحب فعندما يمارس هذا الحب ويعيشه ويقدمه يكون هذا الحب وسيلة يتحقق بها إنسانيته أريد أن أذكر أمامكم المشهد الذي نحبه وهو الرعاة الذين كانوا يصهرون في البادية وكانوا يعيشون في حياة بسيطة رقيقة الحال ولكنهم كانوا يعيشوا هذا الحب حب القطعان وحب البشر حتى أن الله استأمنهم أن يكونهم هم أول من يتلقى خبر الميلاد ويظهر الملاك ويهنأهم وها أنا أبشركم بفرح عظيم يكون لجميع الشعب هؤلاء الرعاة عاشوا الحب وقدموا وعندما وجدوا رسالة الملاك أسرعوا إلى بيت لحم حيث المزود وفرحوا بالصبي المولود في المزود وعبروا عن محبتهم الشديدة بهذه الزيارة وكان هذا درسا لنا في الإحساس بالحب وأن يعيش الإنسان هذا الحب على الدوام. العطية الثانية هي نراها في زيارة المجووس المجوز غرباء قدموا من الشرق وأتوا خصيصا كانوا علماء وكانوا يبحثون في النجوم وعندما وجدوا النجم المميز في السماء عرفوا أنه إعلان عن ولادة رب الحقيقة هؤلاء تمتعوا بالخير بمعنى أن هؤلاء المجوز كانوا جدين وفي إصرار بالغ عرفوا في مكان ميلاد المسيح بإرشاد النجم وقدموا خيرا فجاءوا من الشرق ووصلوا إلى المزود وقبلها تقابلوا مع الملك وقدموا هداياهم وكان هذا أمرا أنه يريدون أن يتمتعوا بالخير ويعملون خيرا لقد صنعوا خيرا عندما أتوا وعندما زاروا الصبي وعندما قدموا هداياهم الذهب واللبان والمر ولكن في نفس هذا المشهد مشهد أن يعمل الإنسان خيرا نتذكر أهل بيت لحم وأهل المزود الذين استضافوا هذه المرأة الفقيرة أمنا العزراء مريم والقديس يوسف النجار وكانت حبله وتريد أن تضع ابنها لم يكن هناك مكانا في أورشليم المدينة الكبيرة ولا مكانا في القرية الصغيرة إلا في هذا النزود هؤلاء صنعوا خيرا ولذلك العطية الثانية أن تتعلم كيف تصنع خيرا على الدوام هذه العطية الثانية التي نقدمها وهي اصنع خيرا أو كما نقول عن الله فنشكر صانع الخيرات العطية الثالثة التي نشعر بها وهي تزوق تزوق الجمال ميلاد السيد المسيح مشهد جميل ولكن أجمل ما فيه كان غوقة الملائكة التي ظهرت في السماء وغنت وأنشدت وقالت المجد الله في العالي وعلى الأرض السلام وبالناس النصر كان هذا النشيد وهذا التعبير المفرح كان تعبيرا عن الجمال فالجمال هو صفة قوية يتذوقها الإنسان الذي يعيش مع الله علمنا الجمال في ميلاده وعلمنا أن نتذوق الجمال وأن نقدم كل شيء جميلا فالطبيعة جميلة وما نأكله من سمار الأرض جميل ومن نعينه في الفلك نهارا وليلا هو جميل ومن نعيشه في فصول السنة امتدادا من الشتاء إلى الربيع إلى الصيف إلى الخريف هي أيام جميلة وأيام حياة الإنسان بصفة عامة هي أيام جميلة وعطية من الله هذه الثلاث عطايا عيش بالحب وتمتع بالخير وتزوق الجمال هذه العطايا الثلاثة هي التي نعاينها في قصة الميلاد الميلاد بداية جديدة والميلاد فرحة جديدة والميلاد رسالة جديدة لكل إنسان يبدأ بها عام جديد يمجد فيها الله أنا أهنأكم جميعا بهذه الأيام السعيدة وأهنأكم بالميلاد المجيد وأقدم كل المحبة وكل التحية لكل أحبائنا في كل مكان في العالم أرسل لكم هذه الرسالة من أرض مصر ومن الكنيسة القبطية الأرزوكسية الكنيسة الأم التي ترسل المحبة بكل الأباء في المجمع المقدس وكل الأباء في كل الكنائس القطية هنا على أرض مصر وأيضا أرسل لكم تحيات التاريخ الطويل التي نعيشها وتمتد إلى كل كنائسنا في كل مكان في العالم ربنا يكون وياكم وهابي نيو يير
0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Um, now I'm going to read for you the uh, Episcopal message uh, from His Grace, uh, Bishop Yusuf, to all the congregations in the Southern Diocese. Uh, he says, an, an invitation from God for the joyous Nativity season. My beloved children, I wish you a very blessed and joyful Nativity feast, confident with jubilation in the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and always assured that you are a beloved children of God. On this glorious night, we celebrate the awesome Nativity Feast in which the world has been invited to eternal life. A host of angels invited the lowly shepherds to the obscure place where our King lay. This is our Savior who came to rescue us. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. This holy child came to our earth to invite us to heaven. He entered the world vulnerable and needing protection and nourishment. He sought shelter but found none. He came in need to satisfy our needs. He came to invite all humanity to share in his glory. He emptied himself to rescue us. We needed a savior, not a ruler, nor a prophet, nor a sage. Thus he came to us and became one of us that he might rescue us. He came to the afflicted and the despised, the forgotten and the scorned, the righteous and the evil, the wise and the foolish, the rich and the poor, to every race and to all nations. He did not recompense those who reviled him, but vowed to soothe all our sorrows and anguish with his love, tenderness and acceptance as a loving father. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. He invited you and me to be part of his family and heirs in his kingdom. Snubbed by his own, he did not refrain to extend the invitation. In a manger in Bethlehem lay the child and savior of the world. Maybe his lowliness would shame us and transform us that we might learn from him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls he became like one of us that we may desire to be more like him he continues to offer us shelter near his heart and a shield beneath his wings but many decline the invitation oh jerusalem jerusalem the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her how often i wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings but you were not willing the invitation remains open he furnished the earth for us and also prepared heaven for us. His heart yearns for all his children and his arms are wide open. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are without young, who are with young. It is time we accept his precious invitation with love, gratitude and joy. Glorify him and exalt him for sharing in our lives through his incarnation. Thank him, for he bowed the heavens and came to rescue us. Rejoice in the nativity of the Lord Jesus Christ in the humble manger. Pray for our blessed church that teaches us and guides us like a loving and wise mother to her children. May the Lord protect her and preserve the life of our honored patriarch, his holiness, Pope Tawadros II, for many years and peaceful times. Signed, Bishop Yusuf, Bishop of the Coptic Orthodox Diocese of the the Southern United States. Today in the story of the Nativity, we see there are many different characters at play and many different people that are mentioned in the story. Um, His Holiness spoke about the shepherds and how they were the first people to whom the angels came to announce the birth of Christ. Some other people that are also mentioned in the story are the three wise men. We read, Behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Um, Who are these wise men? These wise men, they were like a priestly class from the Persian Empire, uh, which would be considered astrologers that studied the stars. And according to their religion, there was a certain sign that would appear in the sky when a very unique and special divine person was to be born. And so these wise men, this is where it was part of their, their vocation, is that they would look at the sky and the stars and they would look to see the signs of the birth of this divine person now they did not know who he was they did not know what the sign meant but when they saw this sign the star that was in the sky they traveled from where they were all the way to israel so that they could see the birth of this divine person but if you look at the lives of the wise men the actions of the wise men what the wise men actually did and what they had to do in order to leave their home and to travel such a long distance from persia All the way to come to Israel, we learned that it wasn't just, they were not just wise because they were astrologers or they could read the signs of the stars, but they were wise in the way that they approached life. They were wise in in the decisions that they made. And so we want to speak a little bit about what made these wise men so wise as we refer to them as being wise. The first is they were watchful for the divine. In uh, Matthew 2, verse 2, It says where is he who has been born king of the jews this is the 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 wise man speaking for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him they were always looking for something that was greater than themselves they 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 were looking up to the sky they believed that there was something and even though they were pagan these were by no means jews or monotheists or believed in god they were pagan but yet they believed that there was something greater than they were there was something more in the, to the world than simply what they could see with their eyes. And they, they were willing to give up even you know, their comfort in order to travel for such a long distance to come and to see this thing. They, they, they were prepared to accept something that was greater than themselves. And they saw this as being more important than the things that were in the world. You know, they in, instead of instead of you could say being lazy or, or or sitting around or only focusing on the things of the world, they looked up and they found something greater than what was in the world. And so, this is the first thing that that we can learn from them is they were watchful for the divine. Do we do the same? We can ask ourselves. Are we so taken by the world and the mundane things in the world and the distractions in the world that we forget to look up like they did and to see the Lord of heaven, to remember that there is a heaven and to remember that this is our destination and this is where we want to go and this is where we want to travel to. And so the wise men can teach us this lesson that we are looking forward and looking up to something greater than ourselves. The second lesson that we can learn from them and why they were wise is that they did not waste the opportunity that they had been given when they saw this star. It says in Proverbs 9 verse nine, give occasion to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Meaning if you give an opportunity to someone who is wise, they will use that opportunity to gain even more wisdom and they will use that opportunity in a right way but if you give uh, a good opportunity to someone who is foolish then they might not even no- notice it recognize it or do anything with it and it will be wasted on them so here these wise men have the opportunity when they saw the star and you can imagine clearly these wise men don't know when such a th- sign is going to appear in the sky and they're living their lives and they're doing their thing and then suddenly they saw the sign and now this was an opportunity for them that they did not want to waste God gave them actually this opportunity. And even though they again were pagan and they didn't believe in God, but God wanted that even the faraway nations would learn of the incarnation of the Logos that he was born in the world as a savior for the entire world. And even while they went to go meet him, without realizing really who he was, without realizing that their own salvation was tied up in the birth of this child, and yet God was calling out and giving opportunity to people from all nations in every place to come and to see him. So you can see that those three wise men they used this opportunity and they acknowledged that Jesus, this child, was truly a king and divine even before the Jews did. And even though he was born in Israel and he was born to bring salvation uh, to the Jews, but the Jews did not recognize him. and The Jews did not see him. But these wise men that came from very, very far away, and even though they didn't have a full picture of what it was that it meant that this star appeared in the sky, but they worked with it. And so you could say in this way that they had a lot of faith and they believed that that if they come from far away, they would see and find what it is that they were seeking. So they did not waste this opportunity. We can find examples of other people that did waste such an opportunity, like Jonah the prophet, for instance, when God told him to go and to preach the Ninevites to bring them... Uh, salvation, to teach them and to bring them a, a repentance. What is it that he did? He ran and he went to the opposite direction. You know, see these wise men, they didn't do this. The wise men, when they were, when they saw the sign to go, they went and didn't go anywhere else. The third thing we can learn from them and the wisdom of these wise men is that they were not hindered by any obstacles at all. There was no obstacles that hindered them. No, nothing stood in their way. What were some of the things they could have used as reasons not to go? First is There was a great distance that they had to travel, very great distance. And, you know, we always see the pictures of the wise men traveling on camels. They didn't have cars or planes or trains or anything. They would have to very, very difficult and long journey and a dangerous journey and an expensive journey and a journey that would require them to really sacrifice a lot. And yet when they saw the star in the sky, they they said, we must go. This is this is the opportunity. We must go. We're not going to let the distance stop us. And they actually didn't even know how far they were going to travel. Because all the, they saw a star in the sky, they didn't know where that star was going to lead them. So they kept traveling. They said, we are going to go wherever it is that this star is until we reach the place where it is leading us. Another obstacle is maybe they could have had some doubt in the star. It's like, well, what if they were mistaken? What if this is not really a sign? What if this is just like any other star? What if they didn't know, you know what it was? And they could have very easily made excuses to get out of going by saying, well, it's probably nothing. Well, it's probably just, you know, some random thing and it's probably nothing. I'm not going to sacrifice my entire life for months and years, perhaps, of traveling to go to a place that I don't know what it is. For something that's not very clear, it's kind of ambiguous. We don't really know what it is. Maybe we need to get some more evidence. Maybe we need to wait. Maybe we need to do whatever. And a lot of times when we want to get out of doing something that we know we should do, We bring these excuses and we can justify ourselves with these excuses and maybe anyone looking at them in that situation wouldn't really have blamed them for seeing such a sign in the sky and not doing anything about it right away said well there's a lot of there's a lot of things it could be maybe you maybe you should should do some more research maybe you should you know find out more about what it is or wait but they didn't do that they said you know we saw the sign we believe that this sign is the sign of something divine happening a person divine we're going to go Another obstacle is, what were the people going to think around them? What were the other people around them going to say? This is crazy, what are you doing? You're going to leave your whole life and go chase after a star? You you don't even know where you're going, what's going to happen, right? And this is often the the way that people see Christians, and certainly the way that people saw the early Christians, of how they were sacrificing and giving up everything that was theirs for the sake of this faith that they had. They didn't need the approval of others. They simply did what they knew was right. Another question they might have had, which would have been an obstacle to them, is why was this divine person being born in a foreign nation? Why wasn't he born among us? Actually, they're the ones who are the astrologers. They're the ones that they believe they can see all of these signs. Why would the foreign? Why would this divine person be born somewhere else? And maybe again doubt that this was the case, but they, they did not doubt. It reminds us of um, one of the parables of Christ uh, said, which was the parable of the Great Supper. In this parable of the Great Supper, there was a man who, who held a, a gigantic banquet and he invited all kinds of people to come to this banquet. But every single person that was invited made, made an excuse so that they did not have to come. We read about this in Luke chapter 14. It says, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And so oftentimes we make excuses like this. Whenever we receive from God that conviction inside of us, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that is telling us you need to do something or you need to stop doing something or you need to repent from a sin or you need to change your lifestyle or you need to do whatever it is. How do we respond to that? In of us, How do we respond to the Holy Spirit in us? Do we, do we respond with immediate obedience? Or do we make excuses like these people who were called to this great banquet that found every manner of reason not to respond to the call, but instead to justify themselves for remaining and doing what it is that they wanted to do? Certainly the wise men did not do this. They were wise because they responded immediately, and they didn't allow any of the legitimate obstacles in their way to stop them from going. A fourth reason that they were wise, and we can learn from them, is that they did not delay. They acted in a very timely way. They did not wait. Okay, They acted quickly, and because of this, they benefited. If you can imagine that these wise men, that maybe they see the sign, and then after a few months, they say, you know what, uh, maybe we should go, or, or, or maybe even more than that. Maybe then now we should go and they, they didn't respond right away They said okay, we're gonna wait 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 and then only eventually we're gonna respond But this sometimes can can cause a lot of problems because what if they had missed this opportunity? What if they had missed the time that they would have had to go and at that point actually the Christ child wouldn't even be there because we know when Christ was uh, two years old that his parents they took him where they took him to Egypt So what if the time that they had in order to go and see christ was only limited and by the time they got there he would have been gone right so oftentimes we are given opportunities in our life but that we will only benefit from when we respond immediately we see this kind of immediate obedience that some of god's servants had in the scripture one example that comes to mind is abraham when abraham was told by god that he should sacrifice his son son isaac Again, Abraham would have had every reason to delay, every reason to procrastinate, every reason to try to find out if this was really God's will, every reason to complain, every reason to to kind of... Avoid this in whatever way, or even if he doesn't tell God, No, I'm not going to do this. But he said, Okay, I'll do it in a week, I'll do it in a month, I'll do it eventually. But actually, we read about him it says, So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wo- wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. And even as he was doing all these things, he hated them and he didn't want to do them. And this was against his desire to do them and yet he did it and he did it quickly because this is what god had told him and in the end we see the wisdom of god in it and that we know that he didn't allow his son to be uh, sacrificed but instead he said because you have trusted me and because you have offered your only son to me then i will bless you and he prevented him from sacrificing him so sometimes god wants to test us and see how quickly are we going to respond how quickly when i see a sign Uh, By a sign I mean when I feel God is convicting me of something. How how quickly am I going to respond? Am I going to respond immediately and benefit? Or maybe am I going to delay until the opportunity is gone? I do not have the ability to benefit. The fifth characteristic of uh, the wise men that we can learn from is that they were not offended by the poverty of the king. We read about him being put in the manger in Luke chapter 2. And it says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Can you imagine... That after all this time of traveling and that you're expecting to see some divine person, some powerful person, some, some, some person who is like like no other person that's ever ever having been born on the earth. And you think of him like all the imagination that they would have had on their long travel thinking, I wonder who he's going to be. I wonder what he's going to be like. And maybe all these images, you know, that we, we, we think of someone who's extremely powerful. And then by the time they get there, they found this baby, right, and his poor family. And with nothing grandiose and nothing great, nothing rich, and he's, they're just like anybody else. And maybe you could say even they were below average in, 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 in their wealth or in their power and their prestige. And they came to him and they said, you know, this is the one. This is the one that we're going to worship. This is the one that we're going to offer gifts to. And you imagine, maybe if we were in their place, we would be very disappointed at what we found because it's going to be nothing like what we expected. And this is one of the reasons actually that all of the Jews collectively didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Even uh, later on when they found out that he was from the city of Nazareth, Nathanael, he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? How could the Messiah come from Nazareth? It's not even possible. We read actually about this in Isaiah 53, which is a prophecy of the coming of the Messiah and what, what he will look like to us what he will appear like to us, how we are going to judge his appearance in our own way, in our own human perspective. And it says what? He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. And this is the reason that the people missed him because they were expecting a very powerful figure. They were expecting a person that was great, a person who they could trust, they could get behind, that will be a defender to them from a very like physical military type perspective, that he would defend them. Little did they understand who he really was, okay? And he actually allowed himself to die at the hands of those who are weaker than him. Those creation that he created, he allowed them to kill him, right? So when these wise men were to come to such a a scene, and to see this child this way We would have very easily excused them For looking at the scene and saying Okay, we made a mistake this, this wasn't him There's no way that this could be him If all the other people who were even in Is- Israel And all the people who had the benefit Of all these Old Testament prophecies If even they thought this about him How much more could we say That these wise men that are traveling From the other side of the world Coming to see him could say You know what, well we made a mistake You know, let's just go back okay but this isn't what they did okay they actually what brought these gifts and when they saw him they said we are going to offer this these gifts even to a child even even this child who doesn't even understand what what is this that I'm offering to him we are going to offer him these gifts because even though he looks this way even though he looks poor and even though he looks weak but we believe that he is divine We believe there is something more to him that cannot be seen. And this is so important for us in our faith is that we believe in the power of God even when the the situation around us feels out of control and feels like, where is he? Where is the God of power? Why is it this? if this God is so powerful, why is he not doing something? Why is he not acting? Why is he not changing something? Well, only you have to look at his own life. He didn't change his own life. He allowed himself to go through suffering, he allowed himself to be poor, he allowed himself to do this. So when we go through these things, this is not any reason to believe that God is not present. But maybe there is a greater purpose. Maybe there's a greater reason why God allows us to experience these things just as he himself experienced and allowed himself to experience them. So one great thing we learn, they were not offended by the poverty of the king. They were not offended by the suffering in the world. They will not offend it. Because they believed and the faith they had was stronger than what their senses told them. They believed that this child was divine, was the Lord, and they worshipped him and they brought him gifts. The sixth characteristic that we learn from them and the wisdom that they had was that they did not come empty-handed. They came bearing gifts. They, They came... Offering some sacrifice and it says when they had opened their treasures They presented gifts to him gold frankincense and myrrh and these were expensive gifts And they traveled with these gifts for a very very long time having already Resolved to give them him these gifts when they arrived they offered this sacrifice as a part of their worship And in so doing this they said what that the person that we offer these gifts to are more valuable is more valuable than the gifts themselves the one that I offer these gifts to is more valuable than the gifts themselves. And so this is how we measure uh, the value of something. This is how we measure our, the, the magnitude of our faith. This is how we, we measure our love for God. Saying, what am I willing to give up for him? What am I willing to sacrifice for him? Because if I'm willing to sacrifice something great for him, that means that I believe he is even greater. But if I am not willing even to sacrifice the least for him, then what does that say about how I see him? What does that say about how I worship him? They had the right priorities. And even though they had gold and frankincense and myrrh, they did not consider that these gifts were so valuable that they would not be willing to part with them in order to give them to the king, in order to give them to the Lord, in order to give them to the divine. They said, what we are going to give these gifts even to this child, because we believe that He is the Divine, and we believe that He is more valuable and more important than the, these gifts, and we're willing to uh, we're willing to part with these things in order to give it to Him. And this again tells us something about ourselves. When we come to God, are we coming because we want Him to give us gifts? Are we coming to Him because God, I know You are the gift giver? And you can give us so many good things. Is this why I come to you? Is this why I spend time with you? Is this why I worship you? Because all I want is what you can give me and what you can offer me. These three men did not travel all this way thinking, you know what? This divine person, he's going to bless us. And he's going to give us good things. And he's going to bless our, life and, and our lives. And we're going to have a lot of you know, blessing and, and joy and peace and everything in our life. Because, because this great person, he's going he's gonna to give us money. He's going to give us wealth. He's going to give us something. They didn't come with that mentality. They, they, you, know, you, you might have expected that somebody would travel such a long distance to go visit someone because they believed that that person was going to give them everything they ever wanted and dreamed of. But that's not why they traveled. They traveled because they wanted to give him something. Because they, that's how much they revered him. That's how much they saw him as great. Because we want to offer to you. Not, we want you to offer to us. So they did not come empty handed. And again, this is a part of our worship. When we say we are offering worship to God, is it just words that we offer? Or are we actually willing to offer ourselves, right? Sometimes we it's easy to offer words. It's easy for us to say words. We, we stand up and we say words all the time, right? But God is saying, I don't just, I'm not interested in your words, right? I want your hearts. I want you, I want all of you. I want you yourself to offer yourself to me. And then in this offering, and when you offer yourself to me, this is when I can work with you. This is when I can give you beyond your dreams and imaginations. This is when I will make you to be a great person. And when I say great person, I don't mean great in the world. I mean great in heaven, that I will make you great when you offer yourself to me. But the only way we can offer ourselves to God is because we really believe in him. And we really trust him and we really revere him and respect him and know what it is that he wants to offer to us. The last point that I'm going to mention of uh, what are some of the wise characteristics we can learn from the wise men is that their trip had no personal gain involved in it. There was no personal gain at all. They didn't come for any other reason. You know, they didn't say, you know what? Well, we already have some business in Israel, so we're going to travel to Israel. And while we're there, we might as well go and see this divine King that was to be born. You know, maybe, maybe we'll just do that. That's part that's on our plan. That's part of our, our, our plan. That's, that's what we were planning to do anyway. So it's just a very short detour to go and talk to the king and to, go and to meet the king. And then we'll go about our way, right? And sometimes we see God in this way. If God fits in my plan, then yeah, okay, I can go to church and I can pray and I can worship. But when the times that God doesn't fit in my plan, then I'm not going to do it. When, when God has given me an abundance of wealth, yeah, okay, I'll tithe then, you know. But when I feel like I'm out of work and I, I, I or I have or I have very little income and maybe I feel like it's difficult for me to give, then in those times I know I cannot give. I cannot give. You know. What is it that I'm offering to God? And why is it that I'm offering to Him? Am I am I going for personal reasons? Am I doing something for personal reasons? And then you know it, with that if, if it's convenient for me i'm going to worship god with if, if it's convenient for me i'm going to to do what he's asking me to do or is it the opposite okay there was no convenience or personal benefit for these three wise men everything they did was 100 percent. that trip completely 100 percent, was to go see the king and that was it and then after that they were going to go home there was nothing else for them to do all those months and years of their life was consecrated completely to the pursuit of the king To pursuit of this divine person we read in hebrews 13 therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to god that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to him but do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices god is well pleased god is asking us to sacrifice to him and not to do things for any personal gain And this tells us something also about the way that we should worship. You know, um, I think at the Harvest meeting uh, on Sunday, somebody was asking about, we were talking about worshiping. And somebody was saying, well, is it sufficient to, uh, to just listen to sermons in the car? Or is it sufficient just to pray in the car? Is it sufficient to kind of associate God with the other activities that I'm already doing? You know, like I'm already in the car. Okay, I can listen to a sermon. I'm already in the car. I can pray. I'm already doing something else. Okay, I can do this with it. And I said, y- yes, that is perfect. And that is good. But is that the only time that we do those activities? Is it the only time that I pray when I'm in the car? Because it's dead time, right? It's already dead time. It's, doesn't, it's not really valuable. I can't I can't really do anything else with it. So Might as well pray. Might as well listen to a sermon, you know. Again, I'm not saying that's wrong, but is that the only time we pray? Is that the only time we listen to a sermon, right? Or do we give of our first fruits? In the Old Testament, whenever, uh, whenever the, the people were called by God to offer sacrifices, He said, Give me your best sacrifice. Give me your best animal. And, and God was criticizing the people and He said, You come and bring me these lame animals? These, these animals that were already not going to be good for anything, they already have broken bones, they're blind, Like there's things wrong with them, and then you're saying, oh, you know what, this is what we're going to offer to God because it's not good for us anyway, we can't use it for anything anyway, so we might as well give it to God then, right? That's like when we take the leftover time, the time that's not good for anything else, the time that we can't use for anything else, and we say, okay, this is the perfect time we give to God, okay? That's a backwards way of thinking. Right? That's just not what these three wise men did. They said, We're not going to just give him the leftover time. We're going to dedicate months and years of our life doing nothing for no other purpose, for no personal gain, for no other reason, simply then to go and to worship him and to give him these gifts. And it was a very difficult journey, and they said, This is what we're going to do. It's a very different mentality what these three wise men had than unfortunately what we often have, which is, I'm going to give him the leftover. And if the leftover, if there isn't any leftover, okay, then tomorrow, then. You know, I I ran out of time today, then tomorrow, I'll give him maybe some time tomorrow. And then when tomorrow doesn't come, the next day, maybe I'll give him some time. This is one of the great things that we can learn from the wise men, is they gave him the best of their time. They had no personal gain. They consecrated their time for him to give it to him because he was so important and to be worshipped. So in summary, we spoke about seven different points of what are the characteristics we can learn from the wise men. The first one is they were watchful for the divine. They were not consumed with the world and all the things in it. They saw beyond the day-to-day world and life and said no there is something greater than this and we are watchful and aware of it. The second is they did not waste any opportunity that they were given. When the star appeared they said we must use this opportunity. This is an opportunity for us to grow, this is an opportunity for us to worship, this is an opportunity for us to, 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 to travel to see the king, the king of kings. And also they were not hindered by any obstacles, that all of the many obstacles and excuses that they could have made to keep themselves from going, they could have very easily made it and they didn't make any of those excuses, they, they went despite all of the obstacles. The fourth is they did not delay. They did not wait. They went immediately when the opportunity came, so they would not miss the opportunity. Otherwise, maybe the star would have gone away, and they wouldn't have had any sign of where to go. The fifth is that they were not offended by the poverty of the king. When after such a long and difficult journey, they got there, and they saw him, they said, perfect this is this is the one we've been waiting for they didn't say to him who is this what is this person this what is this poor family this could not be the king no they didn't say that they said this is the one that we sought and we are going to offer him the gifts that we brought they came bearing gifts they wanted to sacrifice and to give they were not going to receive but they were going to give something to the king and finally their trip had no personal gain it was a hundred percent consecrated for the worship of the king 100 percent consecrated to see him not just as a side trip, not just as something else that I do while I do something more important. They gave him the first fruits of their time and in everything that they did for those years. So may God allow us to see the wisdom of the wise men that these were not simply astrologers and that maybe in God's wisdom he chose them for us to learn something from them, that they would travel so far a distance in order to see the king when God has given us the opportunity to see him each and every day. Do we use these opportunities and glory be to God forever. Amen.